0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Close Readings. I'm your host, Kamran Javadizadeh, and it's my great pleasure to be talking to Matthew Zapruder today. Um, Matthew and I have um, been in contact for a little while now um, when I reached out to him to to see if he might be interested in doing an episode, and I I asked him the kind of question I don't usually ask potential guests, which is to say that I suggested a poet to him, a poet um, who I knew was sort of near and dear to his heart, both um, both as uh, sort of on the page and in life, as it were. And I, and I hope that we'll have some occasion to talk about that. So Matthew is here, to. he agreed very graciously, and he is here today to talk about the poet James Tate um who um avid listeners of the podcast might note has come up um on at least one occasion before but but perhaps on on other ones as well uh James Tate came up in the conversation I had with Sarah Osment about David Berman um poet you know lead singer of Silver Jews and a uh, a former student of Tate's as as Matthew himself was. Um, the, the poem that, um, Matthew is here to talk about and which I have to say and thank him in advance. He's very graciously done the legwork to make available to you in, um, um, in linkable internet form. So you'll be able to find a link as always in the episode notes, um, to the text of the poem. The poem is called Quabbin Reservoir. Um, and, um, is, um, Matthew noted this to me also in, in an email um, leading up to this episode, is, is perhaps one of the um, few Tate poems about which a bit of background information might be useful in um, in sort of enriching one's experience of the poem. So we'll we'll get to all of that um, in just a moment. But first, let me tell you just a bit about our guest today. So Matthew Zapruder is many things. Um, He is a poet. He is a professor. He is an editor. He is a critic and a writer of um, prose. Um, He's the author of five books of poems, uh, most recently a book called Father's Day, which was published by Copper Canyon Press in 2019, and um, two books of prose. Um, So his first book of prose uh, was called Why Poetry?, and was published by Echo in 2017. Um, w- w- the book answers the question that it that it asks um, in its title, and and is a is a really lovely um, uh, book for all kinds of readers. I think for um, and and perhaps I'd say especially for for readers who are sort of poetry curious, but, um, but, but, but also a bit anxious. I, I've used that book in the classroom and, and to great effect and have had students report back to me that it was really useful to them in understanding what to do with poems, how to think about poems. Um, and so I, I recommend it um, to teachers and to readers um, alike. Uh but much more recently uh, Matthew has written a book which um is just is is really beautiful and moving. Um I'm about halfway through it reading it myself right now, and um I really admire it. Um the book is called Story of a Poem. Um it's published by Unnamed Press in 2023. Um This this new book, which um, which I'll say more about in a moment, is the result of um, a a really intriguing project that Matthew set himself recently, which was to um, record and reflect upon the composition of a single poem over the length of a book. Um, So to preserve all of the poem's drafts, um, to write in a kind of um diaristic or memoiristic way about <clears throat> what he was thinking about as he composed those drafts and made those revisions and what was going on in his life alongside the composition of the poem um and it's just a really um deft and um and moving account of a of a stretch of life in addition to being a really um poignant and thoughtful book about poetry um Matthew is 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 also um, editor at large um, at Wave Books, um, which publishes um, a terrific um, uh, series of of um, poetry books, um, and so we have we have him to thank um, in part for many of the mo- uh, many of the most exciting titles in poetry coming out these days. Um, And he teaches in the MFA in creative writing at St. Mary's College of California, um, the the state um, uh, from which he is joining us today. Um, I want to quote just um, a moment from early in a story of a poem because I found it really, um, I found myself um, while thinking about it, um, carrying it with me um, after I set the book down. Uh, Here's Matthew. He says, quote, more and more often, I think the rare treasure I gather in writing poems is the awareness I would not have without writing them. And then he asks, can that state of awareness be communicated through a poem? Can the poem be a secret machine carried on a little scrap of paper or hidden in the mind so one can always have a place to rest, to resist? End quote. Um, you know th- th- that that question—that is the, the the idea that the poem grants a state of awareness, and that that state of awareness might be um, revisited, um, or preserved, or sort of made renewable and 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 um, once again possible in the poem itself—is um, a question. I I take it that in the first place, Matthew is asking. A, um, or, or that sort of came to him as he reflected upon the act of writing a poem. But of course, it, I, what, one thing I really love about that moment in his book is that it bends around by the end of its asking. I mean, not all of us can be poets, but any one of us can read a poem. Um, and, and I think it's as much a question about reading poems as it, as it is about writing them. Um, and one thing I find really um, um, engaging about the way Matthew writes about poems is, is that he's always um, willing to stand sort of on both sides of that, poetic encounter the encounter between poet and reader um, that's there in the way that he writes critically about poems it's it's you can sense it there in his own poems that he's sort of um, willing to imagine a kind of readerly perspective he's um, he's modest and self-effacing in this book which tells the story of the the composition of a single poem as I've said yes but it but it also gives an account of um, his own coming to poetry in life. And, um, and it's, 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 um, it's, it's, uh, a, a really kind of, um, humble and, um, and modest and honest sounding account of, of what that, um, you know, august sounding thing, uh, that is to become a poet might have been like, and, and it's a story I should say, and maybe this can bring us around to our conversation now in which James Tate, played a played a role. Um so so with that, I wanna I want to welcome you, Matthew Zapruder, to the podcast and, and ask you how you're doing today.
1: Thanks so much, Cameron. Um I'm good. I um really glad to be doing this. I I, you know thank you for quoting that um that sentence or those few sentences about attention. Yeah. Um I I think you know in a way that I think of that as um sort of a kind of a pocket definition of modernism i guess that you know the idea that a work of art might be as much for creating an experience when you're you know in front of the painting or reading the poem or listening to the piece of music as um it is a method of communicating some message that the artist has and of course though both those things are always important in any in any work of art but it's um like the emphasis or the shift to like the experience of the person who's who's coming to the coming to the work of art is so meaningful and i feel like this podcast emphasizes that in its close reading i'm looking forward to getting into this poem and talking about jim and talking with you about poetry
0: oh yeah well i'm i'm really happy um to get The chance to do it with you. Yeah. You know, it it was interesting as I, as I, um, thought about that word awareness, which is, you know, the word that you're using in the passage that I, that I quoted, it, it struck me that, you know, awareness is like nicely poised between, I mean, and, and is itself neither reducible to like a feeling nor to a thought. You know, it's somewhere mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's somewhere halfway between feeling and thought, but it, or, or and and then something else mm-hmm. besides those again. Um and um and 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 I and and that to me, I mean, it I that's an attitude that I that I um share with you about um what poems might make possible. Um yeah
1: Wolf Virginia Wolf has this great phrase that I'm sure you're familiar with moments of being. Yeah. Um, and she, I think, we can think of a lot of her novels as being sort of uh, a chronicles of moments of being of various uh, characters in the book, which explains why the narration will shift from one person to another to another to another, because it's almost sort of passing attention or awareness along, and only staying with the character as long as that person is 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 having what she would call a moment of being. And I think of poems also as Moments of being in that way, moments of heightened attention, awareness, but which, like you said, like leaves room for, you know, all sorts of feelings and contradictions and isn't isn't, you know, necessarily even about. Something important. I'm making those quotes. Right, Uh,
0: (laughs) we hear them. I think, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, sometimes they are about something important, but but of course, sometimes you're you're right. If we took the poetry away, you would think, well, why why should that be a poem more than any other kind of thing? Um, And and maybe in particular, that's a kind of modernist impulse to make um, to 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 take an ordinary occasion as an occasion for poetry, and not so much depends upon right. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Right um, uh, the, the red wheelbarrow case in point. Um, uh, all, all, all right, Matthew, I, you know, I, I know that, um, the, there, there are doubtless many, um, lovers of, of James Tate among the listeners to this podcast, but I like not to assume that people already know who it is we're talking about. And since you have such a unique perspective on Tate, I, I thought maybe, um, you would be um, willing to tell us a little bit, you know, for the uninitiated about who James Tate was, and maybe along the way, you can say something about who he was to you. Mm-hmm, of course,
1: I'd be glad to. Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, we should just start by saying that his, uh, James Tate was a member of a generation of poets who started kind of writing in the late 60s. Um, you know, we can think of Charles Wright or Charles Simic, Um, that sort of group of poets Um, and he kind of burst on the scene in 1967 with the publication of his first book uh, The Lost Pilot which won the Yale Younger Poets series and uh, he was a young guy at that point and um, it's yeah it was just almost like a fully formed voice that arrived kind of at that time and very original and, and I think since then has gone through, had gone through many, many, many iterations of styles of poetry, changing a lot. And we can talk about that along the way, which is Mm -hmm. one of the things that made it hard to pick a poem to talk about because it was, I, I felt suddenly this weight of responsibility. Like I don't want everyone to think, you know, he's only X sort of poet. Right. They don't know him. It's yeah, funny, so you know. He, it's
0: yeah. a, m- most guests Matthew have Got have um, struggled to to narrow down the poems. So <laughs> right, you, 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 course, were, you were no course. different. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. And so so um so anyway, so I first came to James Tate's work because I was a, so in the early '90s, I was a graduate student and in, um, in I was getting a PhD in Slavic languages and literatures at, at UC Berkeley. And um, I got there in sort of 92 or something and immediately knew that this was not the direction I wanted to go. I mean, I loved a lot of things about it, but it wasn't quite right. So, And I was writing, I just started writing poetry. And so I was writing and I'd heard of these things called MFA programs. Um, I didn't really know what they were. I had one friend who went to Iowa and he explained what they were to me. And I thought, oh, that sounds amazing. And so I, I, in my second year there, as I was doing my master's exams, I applied to a bunch of different MFA programs, including the one at UMass Amherst. Uh, I'd gone to Amherst College, so I was familiar with the that area. And um, you know, when I got in, I looked who the faculty was, and James Tate was there. And so I went to erstwhile uh, Cody's Books on Telegraph Ave and bought uh, James Tate's Selected Poems, which you and I were talking about earlier, yeah. um, which came out. I believe in 1991 and won the Pulitzer Prize. And it sort of sits, it turns out, kind of right in the middle of his career in the end. It turns out that sort of it's, it's, um, so it covers really basically the first half of his career. And it, it was just, you know, kind of incredible. And you, you, you and I, you said this earlier and I had the same reaction. When I read this book, I thought, I didn't know you could do this with poetry. I didn't know right. you could be the all, and there were a lot of different, this is in that book. Yeah, that well, I, that's I a natural follow-up. I want to ask <laughs> yeah. you, like,
0: what, so I, I guess I have my own version of it, and I do remember so clearly, I mean, it must have, what's funny, Matthew, is is it must have been at, at almost exactly the same time that you met him. I was in high school in the mm-hmm. mid-90s, and I remember um, going over to the house of a, a, a girl who, you know, I was trying to impress, I guess, and I was talking <laughs> to her father, who was a uh-huh. writer and um learned that i was interested in poetry and he went back into his office and pulled from his shelf that the 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 selected poems um the same volume of selected poems his copy i think and said well maybe you'd like this oh my goodness and it's still sitting i mean it's sitting on the shelf behind me right now and 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 for me part of part of but you'll have more to say than this part of what the this was that i didn't know poetry could be was like funny you know Um, but, but, but of course there's much more to it than that. And so you were further along in your life and your education and then, and you met the man. So now, now I want you to pick up the story and
1: tell us what made Tate
0: different for you. Well,
1: at that time, I don't know how much further along I was. I mean, I was studying Mm -hmm. Russia. I I was deep in Russian literature and Russian poetry, but I didn't actually really know that much about American poetry. Um, you know, I was familiar with the kinds of things people are familiar with when they go to high school and, you know, in America. So I'd read the things one reads but I didn't really know uh very much about it and you know it's funny cuz my my I was probably just li- at that time listening to way more music you right. know like deep in you know REM and pavement and all kinds of stuff like that you know so I, my my sense of what a lyric could be was way ahead of what my sense of what like a poem line could be right. and that was my own ignorance that wasn't obviously and so so suddenly reading Tate I was like oh this is is like hip and contemporary and sometimes conversational and sometimes surrealistic. And like you said, super funny. I mean, I remember sitting standing in the aisle at Cody's books, holding this book before I bought it, reading the poem, good time, Jesus. yeah, um, And uh, bursting out laughing after reading it, which was not, you know, generally a, a, um, a, uh, feeling I get when, um, you know, when I, you know, um, you know, uh, reading poetry or hadn't been, let's say, you know, what's Pushkin wasn't cracking me up generally. Although Pushkin's actually kind of funny, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, it's actually funny. So maybe that's a bad example, but you know, also Mandelstam, is not hilarious. Sure. So, so so anyway, so, so that was one thing, but also just like, yeah, just in general, you know, just, just, um, uh, just wowed by the whole range of it all. And, 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 you know, I was lucky enough also, by the way, I should mention when I was there to study with Dara Weyer, and Akashahid yeah. Shahid Ali um who yeah. were uh, to yeah. yeah Shahid was amazing and uh, um you know so I, I had a and great friends and colleagues and poets there also it was a wonderful experience i ended up going to umass but but jim was a big figure for me and um yeah and so i it, it, that i kind of got this crash course in it and what what happened so i went to umass and you know i the book, the first individual volume after the selected poems that came out was called Distance from Loved Ones. And both these books were originally published by Wesleyan University Press. And so the the selected one, uh, the Pulitzer Prize, and then this little volume, Distance from Loved Ones, came out. And actually, it's funny, I was looking at the publication dates, weirdly, Distance from Loved Ones came out in 1990, and the selected came out in 1991. But but the poems from distance from loved ones are not in the selected there and then the next iteration sort of like right. uh, the Beatles right like Abbey Road and let it be <laughs> yeah uh, but anyway so I so the poem that we're going to talk about quadman reservoirs in uh distance from loved ones it's the it's the, actually the first poem in this book yeah and it's um so so I, I thought also one of the reasons why I wanted to pick it was it was kind of contemporaneous with my own like actual meeting of, of Jim and getting yeah. to know him as a student of his, um, which was exciting.
0: Yeah. 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 So I want to, I want to follow up on that, but something you just said um, reminds me there was something I, I wanted to point out and and maybe you'll um, say more about it as well, which is that the, the selected, which I think is the way a lot of readers, maybe readers vaguely mm-hmm. our age or something like that would have gotten to know Tate's poetry um, covers only half of his career um, but, but you've told me there's a new selected on its way, right? So right. do you, do you have a sense of when readers can expect to be able to get that? Yeah, or, I think yeah. that
1: book is going to be around in November. Echo Great. Press is doing it. It's called Hell, I Love Everybody, which is actually the last line of Good Time Jesus, the poem yeah. that we, um, we that we were just talking about. And, um, yeah. the, so, so there's this, the, there's this selected, I mean, not to get bogged down in, but there's this That's selected okay. and then there's another selected, um uh, which covers kind of most of the second half of his career and then there are two books that came out afterwards posthumously right um and uh and so yeah so you kind of can get through if you're kind of a big fan you can read those two selectives and get it and and get a good feel but this new one is pretty tight it's i think it's 50 poems I and it uh, has an introduction by Terrence Hayes, which, uh, right. which I mentioned to you earlier. And it's, yeah. I've read it in manuscript. It's fantastic. So that's a good intro if you well, sure. don't know about Jim at all, but yeah, it's, it's, um, but this poem is fun cause it's, yeah. um, it's got, it does do a lot of things that, that Jim's poems do, but it's, yeah. you know, but of course it's not everything, but we can, you know, we can see what we, what we, what we can get out of it. Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah. Well, let, let's come to the poem in just a minute, but, but because um, there, there's this question that I'm dying to ask you, which um, sure. maybe precedes that. Um, so, you know, you've, you've given us this lovely anecdote of reading his book and laughing out loud in line at the bookstore and so on. And, um, and obviously that book um, was um, at least partially to thank for your, accepting the you know for matriculating um to that mfa program and and so on um now i'm curious about how the the teacher who was Mm -hmm. james tate um sort of did or didn't align with the kind of poet whom you'd gotten to know a little bit on the page and you have this wonderful line in story of a poem which i hope it won't embarrass you if i read aloud but you say i signed up for a workshop with james tate whom i worshiped the feeling was not mutual. <laughs> we both suspected I could not write any good poems, and the evidence appeared weakly. Um, so, n- no doubt. Well, you've you've given an account of how you got a different reaction out of him, and 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 became a different kind of poet under you know partially under his tutelage eventually. But um, yeah, what was he like in the classroom? And would you know not was there was there any surprise there, or was it sort of the same presence in some way, the same intelligence?
1: Well, um, it's a great question. I mean, it was, it was kind of awful, you know, cause I came to, and I, and I obviously, you know, had this, you know, already was worshiping him as a, as a, as a writer. And, and, um, and I had a long way to go before I was going to write any good poems. And I knew right. that, but it was right. sort of rough to kind of experience that in his class. And he was, yeah. he wasn't mean about it, but it was, Yeah, he was, he was very, um, you know, I think he taught in a way that I think would be considered pretty unfashionable now. I mean, he was, he was very uh, quiet. He would wait, but then he would say what he thought. And often it would be kind of harsh, especially with the students he thought could take it. He was pretty kind to people who were, I I think he was one of those teachers who was pretty good at picking up if somebody was in distress or maybe really overly sensitive, and he would be actually pretty careful with people like that and thoughtful and, and cautious with their feelings. But um, wasn't that way with me, really? <laughs> uh, I remember the first time, uh, first thing I ever said in his class, somebody read a poem um, out loud. And, you know, one of their, they brought in their poem and they read it out loud. And and I said, I raised my hand and never say, I never spoke to them. It was the second semester of uh. my, and I said, that line, you know, whatever it was, reminds me of, you know, something in such and such a movie i can't remember what i said right. you know probably something pretentious like Fellini or something and, and, he, and he just looked at me and said well that's your problem isn't it <laughs> 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 Which was very funny and kind of me but also you know in a way it was like I, I appreciated the lesson which is like don't you know this is let's respect right this person's poem like their artistic act let's not drag it into you know like like you know comparison immediately with somebody else's artwork you know right so i think i think it was anything he said and anything he did was always in the service of the poem. and he really treasured poetry and and worshipped it and loved it and and that's really what i got one of the main things i got from him was to really take it seriously on its own terms
0: yeah You know, I make him sound like
1: a mean person. He wasn't a mean guy. He was a funny guy, sweet guy, lovely guy, but in class, he could be a little stern for
0: sure. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. (laughs) Well, and like you said, maybe he he understood or intuited that you could take that kind of response. It clearly. Mm -hmm. he was right about that i mean here we are funny i mean i thought it was funny i wasn't yeah Yeah, good um so well let let's let's um let's do what he i don't know if he'd want us to do it at all with his poetry but but um with um let let's give that kind of attention um to the poem that you've selected for the episode now, and um, Matthew, maybe um, you know you sent me a fascinating article about the, um, and I can make that article available for people um, who are listening to this um, to this episode. But but um, about the place that's mm-hmm. named by the title of the poem about Quabbin Reservoir, which you know, for a naive reader such as I was before you um, sent me that link sounds like it might be a made-up place to me you know I don't right. I'm not familiar with the region it sounds it sounds like it could be a sort of poetical landscape somewhere uh, but Especially it's a real because place it's
1: Jim. because it's Jim you might you know yeah that's a reasonable assumption you
0: know yeah 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 that that's right but but the, but this is a real place and it's an unusual place and knowing I think just a little bit about what makes it unusual um, uh, uh, sort of unlocks a few. Experiences I think that a reader might have with the poem. So, do you do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what what that place was?
1: Yeah, just real quick. It's yeah, yeah, it is. So so um, what it is essentially is it's a it's it's a um, now reservoir um, that is you know east of Amherst, basically. So you know if you can you can get there, it's not a long drive away from from Amherst and Northampton, and it was uh it, it was a valley where there were these towns um and you know in the early 20th century the the government basically decided that they needed that to use that that area as a, as a reservoir of water for boston and yeah. so the town was intentionally flooded uh the town that that sorry the valleys were intentionally flooded which and you know those those people who lived there were told they had to leave and so it's when you go to see the, the, if you can stand there in the reservoir, you can see like steps literally going down, like into the water and you can see some structures and different right. things. And then, so it's like kind of a um, spooky, cool, right. sad um, spot, you know, in, in Western Massachusetts that, you know, locals know about and you can read i mean yeah the article which yeah would be nice if you posted is sure can sort of give people some picture you can look and see some pictures and and get some history of it but basically that's quabbin reservoir is this spot with these so when he talks in the poem about you know describes kind of these actions in the town under the water that's you know from right. a historical thing that's not just a made up imaginary thing although you could read the poem and just think it was a Matt made-up thing, and that would probably be okay too. But no.
0: sure, now yeah. other alternatives are occurring to me as well. I mean, some some poets, but I take it not him, not even in the original book publication of the of the poem. Some poets might have uh, put at the back of the book, like an explanatory note or something like that. I does. Does does it no, no no. no. Right. So <laughs> that's less of the um, style, you know. Yes. Right. No. I I wouldn't have thought. Or they might so, have put a little note under check. the
1: under the uh under the poem, you
0: know. Right something. under the title, maybe, right? Yeah. Um the note, you know, in one line uh, a person or, could do it. Or we could say also
1: interestingly, you know, a lot of poets would try to work that into the poem somehow, which yeah. could be interesting, you know. Like, right. Like maybe sort of give a little runway into it, like, you know. I right don't know how, but but, 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 sort of, just see if you couldn't do that or whatever he had he didn't he didn't bother
0: right, right, so there's this on the one hand, this kind of um perhaps unusual for him um kind of instinct towards specification in the mm-hmm. title, right, it's like a point on a map, um, and on the other, a kind of lack of helpful explanation which makes it sound like it could just be a metaphor or it could just Mm -hmm. be a fantasy or something um so interesting i think to have all of that maybe we can tease out some of the implications of that yeah sort of um that kind of two ways two or more ways of of relating to the material that this poem takes Mm -hmm. on but i think we ought to we ought to hear the poem um so matthew would you would you read quabbin reservoir for us sure
1: thanks Uh, this is James Tate, Quabbin Reservoir. All morning, skipping stones on the creamy lake, I thought I heard a lute being played high up in the birch trees or a fawn speaking French with a Brooklyn accent. A snowy owl watched me with half-closed eyes. What have you done for me philately? I wanted to ask it, licking the air. There was a village at the bottom of the lake and I could just make out the old post office. And occasionally, when the light struck it just right, I glimpsed several mailmen swimming in or out of it, letters and packages escaping randomly, 1938, 1937, didn't matter to them any longer, void, no such address. Soft blazes squirmed across the surface, and I could see their church, now home to druid squatters, rock in the intoxicating current as if to an ancient hymn, and a thousand elbowing reeds conducted the drowsy band pavilion. Awake, awake, you germs of habit. Alas, I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift of porphyry to the citizens of the deep and disappear into a copse, raving like a butterfly to a rosebud, I love you.
0: So that was Matthew Zapruder reading uh, James Tate's Quabbin Reservoir. Um, Matthew, you said this was the first poem in the book. Does does Tate? do, Do you find that Tate does the or did the kind of thing that I find that many poets do, which is to put a often the first poem in a collection serves a kind of special. Purpose, I think. I mean, it's a poem that can mm-hmm. be abstracted on its own, perhaps put into a selected volume, or talked about in the way we're doing here. Um, but that it, it's some there. There can be something ars poetica like about a first mm-hmm. poem in a book, or something um, crystalline about about one. Was was Tate want to do that in in your experience?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's fair to say, yeah. I mean, some of the, some of his best known, po- I mean, I'm sort of doing this off the top
0: of my head, yeah, but some sure. of his best
1: known poems are not necessarily the first ones in the right. book. Like, I don't believe The Lost Pilot is the first poem in right. The Lost
0: Pilot. I'm I don't think sure. it it's is. Not. Yeah, I don't
1: but, think so. But, um, but yeah, I think, and I think this poem in particular, um, sort of announces, like, like we were saying before, a certain form of attention, a certain... Yeah relationship to the world to the natural world um highly subjective um yeah. highly uh p- and playful um but tonally you know kind of shifty like some yeah. like shift very fast from like some right. kind of jokey or whatever into like you know and or even goofy into something that's pretty you know uh direct uh just sort of like naming where he is or what he's seeing and shift in and then there's this these moments which i look forward to talking about with you sort of high lyric almost where he really sings you know and so it's you do get it's a it's a bit of an overture i would say
0: right and 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 um and um, among those registers the jokey the kind of high lyric the direct and kind of prosaic there's also i find in tate's poems often the kind of sentimental or the kind of mockishly mm-hmm. you know sort of ironically sometimes you you think but you're not sure sort of sentimental this poem ends i love you well it's, we'll have to yeah come it's to pretty that. gutsy to yeah.
1: end yeah. uh and your the, the the
0: first poem in a book with the i love you yeah i mean and i
1: don't and i don't you know in that moment i don't read that i mean of course it's channeled through yeah. somebody something saying something to something else yeah um but it's you know i don't read that ending ironically but we can we can talk yeah about that. yeah um, let, let, not let's that hold did, off but it's yeah. yeah let's hold on let's not get too excited yet. yeah yes
0: so, so i, I want to be i want to begin at the beginning which i think is also <laughs> an, an interestingly potentially sort of self um descriptive moment so this this image of skipping stones you know i Well, I don't know. So I guess it would be a natural enough topic for no pun intended for a poet to write about a lake, you know, or Mm sitting, you know, sitting, sitting at a lake or a reservoir, a body of water of some kind, describing it. Um, And unless the reader of the poem is sort of from the area or something, there is nothing yet in the poem at the first, you know, by the first line to explain what's so unusual about this place. I suppose reservoir suggests that it is man-made rather than naturally occurring, but even so, so he doesn't call it a, a reservoir in the poem there. He calls it a creamy lake. So, um, I don't know. Um, skipping stones, it, you, you, you described Tate earlier as playful, um, and I and skipping stones, and maybe I'm thinking of this also because I've just I've been recently trying to coach my daughter into how properly to <laughs> get a stone to skip, you know. It's, um, so we were just at a lake, and I was like, um, I was trying to help her um, do it. Um, skipping stones seems to me to be like a a particular kind of playfulness, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder what it evokes for you in in terms of. The kinds of as as metaphor, in other words, as a kind of as the kind of poetic playfulness in which Tate might have indulged, hmm. or or you know, towards which he might have been drawn. So, I like talk about that. skipping like stones, that. Matthew.
1: Yeah, it's a kind of a, yeah. I like that. It's kind of like a childish act i guess you know it's, it's, and and i like the all morning is kind of funny it's been yeah. you know it's like usually when you skip stones you're like kind of you do it a couple of times and yeah. then but like you know it's like he's, he's sort of treating it almost like his job right all morning <laughs> skipping stones like you know <laughs> yeah. so already there's sort of a little bit of a kind of like joke i don't say jokey but maybe a little, little but yeah i th- I was yeah. thinking about that and i was thinking too in this reading about you know you mentioned lake and of course you, know, you can't help yeah. but think of the romantic right poets you know the lake and so you in this in this poem in the beginning you have a lake a lute a right. fawn yeah and then an, an owl right and it's like you're kind of, you've got sort of these elements of 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 a more romantic or traditional form of poetry uh that that are uh, i think being kind of like yeah repurposed i guess i would say right. so I, I, mean, I mean yeah.
0: Yeah. So and so. Sorry. So, but for people who don't know, um, uh, like among the um, the the most famous figures of English Romanticism and uh, um, of the sort of first generation of English Romantic poets, Wordsworth and Coleridge, most notably among them, these these poets are sometimes referred to as the Lake Poets. There, they mm-hmm. um, they lived and worked in the Lake District, um, in, in England, um, maybe that whether or oh, not that, sure. that that particular thing is in Tate's mind as he's writing this line the 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 web of associations i think is is no doubt there it's a kind of a romantic spot and a typically poetic one perhaps i think
1: i think he would yeah. be i mean tate was a yeah. big 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 reader read everything right. um, i'm sure he would be you know i think a poet standing in front of a lake having right. deep or not so deep thoughts <laughs> it's got to be you've got to think you, you you're putting yourself in a tradition and then you're already yeah. sort of like how you orient yourself towards that tradition is going to be meaningful to you know to to you and the reader and and he certainly doesn't make a you know federal case out of it as my dad used to say but 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 you know he he you know That's it's funny. there and i think it's kind of yeah. funny the way he starts so again it comes back to what you said about a first poem in a book it's sort of like yeah. You know he's sort of playing a tiny bit at being a child in the skipping stones and playing a tiny bit at being a romantic poet and i also you know yeah. a bit about this i i you know i mentioned this to you earlier but there's something you know i think any reader who's familiar with tate might think that we're drifting towards a sort of surrealism right. here and that's a right. complicated complicated word right. in tate's work right. and in general but you know this these things you know, a fawn speaking French with a Brooklyn accent is, right. you know, immediately sort of puts us in a kind of certain <laughs> space, right? You know, yeah. Uh, I, don't yeah. Know, yeah I don't know it, why it
0: puts us like in three different, you know, a fawn speaking yeah. French, a fawn is one thing, a fawn yeah. speaking French, another. And then, and then, you know, with a Brooklyn accent feels like a joke, I think in part, because, I don't know. I mean, my, it's sort of strains one's ability to imagine what that would sound <laughs> yeah. like, right? Um, sounds fun.
1: For one thing, yeah. it sounds fun, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's sort of, you know, it is characteristic of too. He doesn't, he doesn't explain, you know, he doesn't elaborate right. on like why that's important. You know, some other poet might kind of stay right. with that, but he just sort of like, boom, he's off. And, right. he, you know, fawn speaking French with a Brooklyn accent, a snowy yeah. owl, and then we're off to the owls. So. Yeah. You know, which yeah, is a little more yeah. real realistic in quotes i guess i'd say you know
0: yes and 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 there's a there's a kind of jokey relationship to received language or idiom that mm-hmm. i find throughout the poem so an early example is the what have you done for me for lately um which you know seems sounds like a play on what have you done for me lately but um oh it's fantastic you know, right. it's a it's a triple yeah. pun
1: right because right. what have you done for me for lately, right obviously yeah. <laughs> lately stamps Uh, But for lately, of course, oral sex, I said, right. Yeah. With,
0: yeah, Yeah, it's a crazy, I remember
1: reading that, uh, for the first time and thinking this person's, uh, mastery of different layers of language is so far beyond my capability. I can barely manage one and he's sort of, he, and, and it's very casual. It says, what have you done for me for lately? I want to ask it, meaning the owl, right? A snowy owl watch me with half closed right. eyes. What have you done for me philately, which is funny yeah. also why would why would right. owl owe him anything yeah um you know, but uh I wanted to ask it, licking the air right um which definitely sends him and it's it's funny, it's clever it's 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 and it also just like i feel like it like shoots my attention into single words, you know like philately, yeah. and then think about that word with pleasure right. and and, and kind of like attention that is yeah. just in and of itself, a, a I think a gift.
0: Totally. You know? Totally.
1: And then it sort of sends him to the, to the, to then thinking about the mailman, I think.
0: Yeah. Which, I, yeah. which I'm, I'm fascinated by and I, and I want to come to in a moment, but, but, but first I want to, um, just, um, offer a thought, provoked by something you said. I mean, I guess I had my own ideas sort of um, swimming around about what the skipping stones thing might Mm -hmm. gesture towards, but then something you said, I think cinched it for me, which was you talked about, um, or you sort of asked how it was that Tate would kind of orient himself towards a tradition or towards a kind of certain romantic view of poetry. And And you also said something about, well, the poet kind of having deep thoughts at the like, well, um, skipping stones is like, um, is a, is a way to sort of, um, I mean, it's both aggressive and playful. It's like, um, (laughs) you know, you you gotta be, you you gotta, you got, well, one thing I was trying to explain to my daughter, for instance, like you gotta throw the stone kind of hard. If you don't do that, right. You gotta whip it. Exactly. Right. Um, And, and, and so, and it's that force that allows you to sort of stay on the surface of a thing that wants yep. you to sink down into it. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. And I, and, I, and yeah. I think Tate's kind of relationship For to, sure. to literary tradition is like that. Like he's, oh. he zips along it fast enough not to sink down into its depths. Yeah, uh,
1: totally. Yeah. Uh, a, I love that. I, I never thought of that. And I think know and that's something you could you could ding him for if you wanted i mean somebody who was looking for something else looking for someone to sink deeply into something you know might might you know get frustrated with that something but i mean thankfully we don't have to only read james tate we can read lots of different things yes but yeah yeah i mean i i I also i don't know about you but it's funny i was thinking about you teaching your daughter about skipping stones i always feel guilty when i do that because i feel like the stone has taken like so long to work its way <laughs> up into the shore and then i just like whip it back in i said yeah back, like a thousand years you know like yeah. it's just, it feels i i just apologize you know like to the stone like right like sorry you like took all this time to get here you know yeah. um but but yeah that's that's not really in this form That's just that's just my own neuroses well, you know?
0: yeah i don't know is it or isn't it let's 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 oh, yeah. sort of Maybe file that thought away, away. Yeah, yeah
1: time time and a kind of certain uh you know relationship to objects, sorry my that's okay thing i keep i keep muting it, but um that's
0: okay so no, no i i um, yeah.
1: um anyway so so yeah so so will we do you want to move yeah I let's, love that thought about I love that thought about the skipping stones I never thought about that, but it's 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 exactly right i think.
0: let let let's talk about about mail and likewise looking yeah. in
1: the air by the way, same yeah. thing kind of like a little bit like you know you know that's a sort of that's not something
0: Wordsworth would say. Right, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't doubt it. We'd have to go through the whole prelude, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think. Well, it may be the case that Wordsworth at least, I don't know. I, I'm like, it's, it's a product of my particular education in poetry that I'm always seeing words worth everywhere. Mm. Um, but I, you know, and, the, and there's a, a way in which I think maybe he comes up again towards the end, but, um, but, but that's neither here nor there. I want to talk first about this. Um, well, I'm, I
1: think it maybe is a bit here because, yeah. cause, I mean, because okay. you know, I mean, the beginning of the prelude is if I'm recalling correctly, yeah. you know, Oh, there is blessing in this gentle breeze, right? Yes, that's the, right. that's the beginning. So right. he starts there too. And so, you know, I think right. that that's, I mean, I'm not saying that Tate was conscious of that in the moment, I have no idea, but he certainly was very well familiar with that text. Yeah. And so, you know, in Tate's case, he, he licks the air right. and makes this kind of funny remark. About as, as one
0: would lick a a stamp, I guess, right?
1: Yes. Right. For right. lately. Yeah. Right. As one would lick a stamp or something else, a body.
0: Yes. Right. Um,
1: but yeah, but, but, but yeah, but, um, yeah, it's it's it, it is. But I like your what you're saying about his sort of like dist- and and the book is called Distance from Loved Ones, right? This right. kind of like productive distance or lightness or something, you know, that's that's uh, a defamiliarization, I guess you could say if you wanted. But yeah,
0: yeah well, and and it's just dis- it's distance from loved ones that um, is the kind of necessary condition for the sending of a letter too. Right. Mm. Um, So, I mean, this brings us to the next um, uh, topic or or the thing that you were already gesturing towards this bit, bit about the post office and so on. So um, maybe just because it's been a moment, I can um, read the lines again to remind our listeners. Um, So right after the licking the air moment, um, the poem reads this way. There was a village at the bottom of the lake and I could just make out the old post office, and occasionally, when the light struck it just right, I glimpse several mailmen swimming in or out of it, letters and packages escaping randomly, 1938, 1937, it didn't matter to them any longer, void, no such address. Um, I think that would be a place to stop, so we could cordon off just for the moment the, the lines that the I tone just read. of that is so yeah. different from what comes before isn't it you say know? something more about that matthew what are you well, hearing differently oh i just think it
1: calms itself you know mm-hmm. with this sort of like kind of almost clinical observation there was a village at the bottom of the lake and again like i could just make out the old post office like make out that kind of casual colloquial language you know like a sort of and of course we know because we've Talked about it that he's he's actually talking about looking at a structure, you know, under the water. So, but like, um, you know, and I occasionally when the light struck it just right, I don't know, just the pace of it, yeah, is is feels kind of more weight, like he's shifted into a far more conversational, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, mode. I don't know, but how does it strike yeah. you? What do you think?
0: Well, yeah. And I I think you're I think you're right. And sorry, when I asked you to say more about the tonal shift, it wasn't because I disagreed, but just because I was interested in hearing you describe mm-hmm. it. Um, so I agree I agree with you. And I and and maybe part of what produces it is like the the opening lines have him, you know, sitting up above or like at the you know, whatever you call it if it's a reservoir, the bank or shore doesn't sound quite right, but there's whatever the word would be Um, being sort of in his world, you know, like in the environment that he can touch and walk around in and Mm -hmm. so forth. Um, But, but whatever is sort of beneath the surface of the water is something which he can regard only from a distance. I mean, even if it Mm -hmm. happens to be close by, it's sort of a world apart. Right and distance and time, distance and yeah, yeah,
1: distance and and yeah, water and and air, but also distance and time, distance, yeah, for sure. And
0: and and so maybe what I'm getting at is like the the inability to enter into the scene in that second part produces a kind of calm, like you know, you don't have sort of don't have to be anxious about what your relation is (laughs) to it anymore because you're not, you know, it's not your world. Um, yeah, for there's sure, a kind of detached sure. tone from, to that. Even, even I as it, detached yeah, go is ahead. a good word for it. I think. Mm-hmm. No yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, he, de- there, the, there is the, still the, I, right. I could just make out that line mm-hmm. that you called out the old post office. I glimpse several mailmen and no, so, okay. So that's an interesting moment and perhaps a place where surrealism is a word that we would want to reach for. I know it was something you were curious, um, to talk about in this conversation, maybe it's the case that literally he can just make out the old post office or maybe even that is a kind of imaginative Mm -hmm. flight of fancy. He knows that it's there and his imagination as it were, sort of projects it into what he can see with his eyes, but no doubt the, (laughs) the mailman swimming in and out of that post office is now a different kind of, there's a, you know, that, that has right. a different relationship to facticity or to, right. or to reality. So, um, yeah. What do you make of those swimming mailman? And, um, and that, and that, that is itself a kind of shift within the the description that we're getting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I think if a lot of people, you know, I don't know if you would agree with me or not, it's hard for me to say, because I know Jim's work and Jim so well, but if you don't, No, I'm so well, you might, two two of the things that probably come up immediately that people sort of know about Tate is that one, that he's funny right, and two, that he's surreal, whatever that means, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I knew from, from, from talking to him and hearing him talk a lot that he always bristled at being called a surrealist, didn't, didn't love that term. Um, and it took me a while to figure out why, I mean, I, I don't know if I figured it out, but to speculate productively on why and I think yeah. it's a bit um, uh, infantilizing in a certain kind of way to call any act of the imagination surrealist you know like oh, like it's sort of it, it, I think in our culture it can become it can become a way of of sort of you know putting something in its place like oh that's just surreal that's just being weird or strange or whatever I but see. I think for it's serious but the surrealists were engaged in serious business you know they were right. they were reuniting the world of dream and the right. world of quote-unquote reality or whatever in order to you know kind of heal us if you read the Surrealist right. manifesto that's really what they were they were interested right. in doing they felt like we were damaged souls we were damaged by adulthood right, right. um that's kind of what breton talks about and how right. you know the, the the task is to sort of bring that childlike wonder that dream dream consciousness back together with what we call what we adults call the real so that we can so we can you know stop Behaving monstrously to each other so in this case when i think right. about surrealism i think less about like sort of orthodox surrealism you know of like fur covered um you know right. trains or whatever Teacups, and right yeah have teacup right but like right. sort of more like you know like or, or 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 um you know automatic writing where the right where there's semantically no no sense in the in, in mm-hmm. the words but but this is more um the larger spirit of surrealism of sort of like the 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 dream world and the real world coming into contact fusing right. intertwining and i think this is a kind of uh, enactment of that of that thing so those mailmen are are it, they come from the dream world or the world of like subjective perception but they become as real as anything else right. just to, just like this just like the fawn speaking french
0: Right and so so, so yeah. yeah
1: so that way I do think it's kind of accurate to call this a, sur- a surrealist poem in that in that more general sense. Yeah. He
0: he doesn't, for instance, say, "I could just make out the old post office, and occasionally when the light struck it just right, it was as though I could glimpse." something. Yes, right. He doesn't do exactly. that. Right. There's no. no hedging in that way. That's Instead, the difference between right. a surrealist yeah. and and a, and a, and a not. Right. <laughs> now, you yep. know what might rescue, you know, so it, I I love the I love the um the account you've just given us Matthew of um you know a kind of objection that a person might have to um to the label um you know the the the, the person who sort of like is in an art museum and sees um a kind of jarring and and um um, inexplicable juxtaposition of of things in a painting, say, and then is told, "Well, it's surrealism." Might come away from it thinking, "Well, all surrealism is is a kind of um, is is to be weird or to mm-hmm. to not make sense or something." But in the account you've given us of dreams and as one place to kind of act, uh, one way to access that mode, you know, depending on what the theory of dreaming is that you have that would undergird that practice. Presumably there is the person who is guided in that way thinks there is something kind of meaningful, but hard to access otherwise in the reporting of dreams or in one's memory of dreams, whether it's a psychoanalytically kind of directed approach or some other kind of approach there, perhaps there, what what the artist who is working in that mode is doing is not just like, Trying not to make sense or trying to break the hold on sense making but is is trying as it were to like submit to um a kind of sense making that is beyond their grasp otherwise right. you know that exceeds them um their their sort of conscious thinking um and and I think exactly. Yeah. Well, and I love, um, I mean, I love this as, I mean, I'd be, I I wish I'd be, I'd be very interested of course, in knowing more about, you know, what Jim's account of why that term didn't suit him, um, what, what that account would look like. But I I do think you've, you know, you've well described a, a, a kind of, um, feature that I find in many, if not certainly not all of his poems, but that seems characteristically like him. Um, um, I'm, I think I'm, it was exhilarating. Yeah, I think yeah. it was
1: exhilarating at the time to read uh, Jim and other many other writers who were who were um, doing that kind of let's say you know some people call it American surrealism, and because it felt like
0: I think of a poet open, like Simic maybe whom yeah, you mentioned earlier. Simic is, right yeah. yeah and
1: Simic is a fascinating case too because he sort of brings in a lot of the Eastern right. and Central European. Sure spirit of poetry but likewise yes mm-hmm. like 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 definitely bringing in a version of that too or uh, but just the the elevation of the dream state to uh on the same plane as the as as what we yeah. ordinarily refer to as real and w- and in not in a way that feels to me um kind of you know gratuitous or or, or purely just for sensational purposes but in the interests of of exploring a feeling i mean here here you know it's like there's a lost world that he's right. standing in front of i mean these people there are people who lived in these villages who lost their homes i mean i don't mean it sound dramatic or whatever but they you know but it was it's 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 about this poem really a lot of it's about the past right and about about right. Right. about lost things and about about who we are now in relation to what was and you know, like it. And so I find it very moving in that way without, you know, he's not explicit about that, but I think that's the spirit that comes to mind. And so when he's talking about those mailmen, it feels tender to me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he does eventually talk about other, I mean, there's like the church, which comes Mm -hmm. up a moment later and the band pavilion and so on, but nothing gets the extended attention that the post Mm -hmm. office does and um, I I, I want to invite you to say more about what Tate's like what in your way of reading the poem is is fascinating him or drawing him to this beginning with the word philately, but then extending into that you know description of the post office and the mailman um, what is it about it I mean does it have I'll, I'll sort of offer this as an initial question but then please you know run with it. Does it have something to do with, you know? Certainly, in an era before things like podcasts and the internet and so on, mm-hmm. the mail is a way for people who are apart to keep in touch, right? Um, so you've described you've you've said that some of the tenderness of this poem has to do with the kind of separation between the past and the present, um, but. You know, is 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 the mail the thing that gets the attention here because it's the it's this kind of technology for keeping people in touch. I
1: think I think that's exactly right. We have to put ourselves back pre pre internet right. days. Yeah, you know, or um, yeah, and it's and I think yeah, the 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 feeling that there are these undelivered letters and packages. Right is you know i mean it's metonymy right it's it's it doesn't need to be explicitly said in the poem but it's a it's a it's a um it's a metonymic characterization of what's happened to this entire world or what always happens in the past period you know it's always always undelivered undelivered messages right and so the poet standing on the bank witnessing these undelivered messages Sort of floating around and not being able to really do anything about it, except just describe the fact of them is is you know as maybe you could you could if you were in this, that sort of mood, you could even say that's sort of a poet's job. So um, even but, even but, if you don't
0: live in the sort of town that has the extraordinary thing happen to it that the government decides to flood it, you know, and you have to move <laughs> out, there is a sense. Do I hear you saying this, Matthew? There is a sense in which. Our lives are sort of inevitably going to um, produce undelivered messages.
1: Yeah. I mean, it happens. You know, I mean, the, the water is, I mean, not without that, you know, uh, I mean, you could think of the water as just being like time. Right. I mean, for all of us, right? And it's, right. It's, it's, you know, in this case, it's sort of a, there's a physical kind of thing that's happened, but, but this right. is just an example of what happens. Right. And I, I like the specificity of that 1938, 1937. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it feels, uh, you know, um, I don't know, appropriately specific. Let's say. Yeah, there. it's
0: it's it's both specific and um, uh, oh, there's something in the article that you sent me. I'm not going to look it up right now. I know that in 1938 there was a there was a big hurricane in the Northeast. Mm. And that, mm. that has, there was something to do with the um, history in, in that. But I agree. It's both specific, 1938, 1937. And then after the line break, it sort of throws up its hands like, well, none of that matters anymore. Right, right, right. It right. didn't matter to them any longer. I, I also love these um, phrases that are italicized for people who aren't looking at the, at the text of the poem, but just hearing mm. us read it. Um, the, the, um, the phrase, well, the word, sentence, though, void italicized, and then after the line break, no such address. Those are both um, recognizable, I think, um, for people who have any experience writing letters or in the mail with the mail um, as things that might get stamped on an envelope by the post office or or so on when a message is undeliverable, Um, but that also have these other kinds of scary um void. or larger content right void certainly no such address is also interesting to me i mean it's to think about it in poetic terms right we think about poetic address yeah. right the ability for for um for a poet to address um a listener um we'll we get is, to that later right yeah who's he yeah say go go. Then, go yeah no,
1: no you're you're absolutely right i mean who's he who's he so in the in the poem and we'll get there right in the Yeah, but yeah like, you know in the poem he's sort of like doing the poet thing where he's just sort of like speaking to the air um you or know, speaking he's being overheard by this by this fawn mm-hmm. and this fowl but of this owl but he's but he's you know he talks a bit to the air but he's like but then he gets later on he gets to to actually talk to the citizens of the deep and we'll 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 get to that but the but the um you know the 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 or uh, well, i don't know we're, we're, i'm not sure who he talks to there but we can talk about that
0: well let's uh, talk about it let's let's talk about yeah. it now i mean the um I I don't know. It's probably um, tedious and and unnecessary in the end for us to try to divide the poem up precisely into movements or sections or something like that. But (laughs) Okay, fine. I mean, I think another one begins sort of midline after no such address. Soft blazes squirmed across the surface and I could see their church, now home to Druid squatters, rock in the intoxicating current as if to an ancient hymn. And a thousand elbowing reeds conducted the drowsy band pavilion. Awake, awake, you germs of habit. Maybe I don't know. Is there do you want do oh, we want to liked, mark another section there before the end? Or say, say more. Well,
1: yeah. I just I mean, I think it's again just funny how quick he gets from from, you know, there was a village at the bottom of the lake, or yeah. or even a line like it didn't matter to them any longer, which is, you know, pretty you know it's something you and I might say in conversation too pretty quick to soft yeah. blazes squirmed across the surface. I'm sort of wondering yeah. what you, what you think of that line. And it's a kind of a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a funny shift in tone. And then, and then he gets more and more excited over the course of those four, four or five lines that you read to the, to, yeah. and, and ending with an awake, awake, you germs of habit, which is like yeah. funny. Uh, you know, who's, who's he talking to there? Yeah. Like, like, but it's, it's, but it's, uh, the, it's the reeds. So the reeds are conducting the drowsy brand band pavilion, right? So it's like, he's looking and he's seeing these grasses kind of waving and he's imagining them sort of like all conducting. So these imaginary musicians in the, in the the band pavilion that's again under the waters or whatever. And it seems like they're saying they're, they're asking the germs of habit to awake, which I don't know what you, but I'm, I'm curious what you make of, you know, um you know the soft blazes and the druid squatters and the germs of habit i mean those are actually i think characteristic tate type of you know kind of like phraseologies that i you know i, I adore those moments but they sort of they're, they're they they they're a bit elusive right. more elusive than some other things which i i don't mind at all but yeah it's, but you know i wonder if you have thoughts about that
0: yeah yeah uh well um I mean I think he does the thing that there, there, there''s there, he's, there are some poets I love. Um, I mean, I think uh, you know like I, I think for instance, of a poet like Ashbury who you know, has his own ear for idiom, and mm-hmm. then often his interest in idiom is to sort of um, replace one word in the idiom with another word so that it no longer quite makes sense, but you still, but it still sounds like an idiom. So you have the kind of feeling of sense without the, you know, but if, but it, but it's hard to explain it to someone else, you Mm. know, it it really relies on a kind of native knowledge of the language or something. Yeah. That whole
1: poem paradoxes and oxymorons kind of does that. It's sort of like working with that exact thing that you just so gracefully described, like, you know, sort of off kiltery kind of way of saying things that are sort of like what we always hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he, you know, so if I, I try to like, my, my first instinct was to try to naturalize soft blazes squirmed across the surface. So I remembered that at the beginning of the poem, we were told that he was doing something all morning. And so I think, well, maybe mm-hmm. now it's afternoon or something like that. And there is a kind of reflection of uh, setting sun or, you know, some kind of atmospheric effect, which is producing a strange kind of. Um, luminescent phenomenon on yeah, the surface of the water. Effect, yeah. Yeah. Something so. like that. Um, but
1: it's sort of a funny way of saying it, right?
0: Totally. There, you know? Yeah. But, it's, but
1: I agree with you that it is essentially a visual effect. Yeah.
0: And squirmed is the funniest yeah. word in there oh, maybe because if it were soft blazes, you know could be anything glided across the surface or something like that on appeared the surface, on the surface right
1: you know struck my eye whatever yeah this it's it's squirmed is weird and funny and
0: it suggests what discomfort yeah. kind of awkwardness that's when you squirm right when yeah, you yeah. um, a little gross yeah it's a little gross that's right um, it it there there are all these um, i don't know soft squirm surface you know maybe um yeah
1: it does sound great i don't know um mm-hmm.
0: the uh the reeds of guess like reeds are um another yet another sort of poetic kind of image of poetic um voice or the production of poetic sound the wind in the reeds and all that uh-huh. um but yeah i'm confused by the um so the So again, if you're not looking at it, the line goes, and a thousand elbowing reeds conducted the drowsy band pavilion. That's the end of a line. And that line ends in a colon. So what, so then awake, awake, you germs of habit comes in the next line. So Mm -hmm. so, sorry, Matthew, you were saying that you took that awake, awake, you germs of habit as who, sorry, who's the speaker. I'm not sure. I mean,
1: it could be, it could be either. That's the, that's the instruction that the, that the conducting, Right. You know, the, the, the reeds, and I think elbowing is kind of an interesting word because it's yeah. sort of like, you know, it's almost like they're, he's, again, he's sort of weirdly accurately describing what it looks like to kind of yeah. look look at grass. It's sort of half in the water and half not, yeah. but like, you know, but, it you know, I don't, I but elbowing, elbowing reeds is also kind of like, you know, those are musical references yeah. as well. mean right. you know, you know, when I, when you watch someone play a string instrument, they're elbowing, right. you know, they're, they're moving their bow. And then and then reeds, of course, is you know, reeds reeds are part of wind instruments. So so right. so it's it's there's a kind of uh there's a lot of layers in there, right. but but essentially, yeah, I see him looking at down at the at the water and seeing these reeds, you know, these these grasses or whatever, conducting right. you know, conducting these figures in the in the in the band old band submerged right. band pavilion. Right. And yeah, I don't know if awake awake in terms of habit is something the grass says or something that he. Yeah. burst out with i'm not really sure yeah you know i i mean it's i'm and germs of habit is right odd
0: totally odd. odd
1: like what is that you know that's like germs of habit like like uh-huh. i don't know what i it's almost like he's it's almost like he's saying it to himself i uh-huh. mean i know he's not it's like it's like wake up right <laughs> you know like yeah. like yeah germs of habit it's it's, it's well it sounds
0: know, as though like they it's coming from this place of desire to kind of reanimate which is what he's been doing imaginatively in a way up to this point to sort of reanimate this, this town that's been submerged. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, A germ is what? Like it's a seed. Um, I mean, that's one of the, right. Um, But germs of habit. Yeah. Is um, um, I don't know. Habit. I think of like, if maybe it's related to um, um, like a, uh gosh like a habitat or uh, you know habitual right. um you know uh, i think it's the action. kind of yeah. thing
1: that if you're imagining i mean i don't know if this is true but i'm sort of thinking about it, it takes me back to the moment to the time before the town was submerged right and it's almost like you, you 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 the citizen the people in the town come and they hear a concert and it's like you're like you know you 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 know Wake art, like art is gonna wake you up, or music's gonna wake you up, or like 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 you know here there's right. here's something to stir you out of your habitual right. you know whatever like um uh, you know uh, we, we talk, I mentioned defamiliarization earlier, but it's you know it's right. like uh you know this idea that like art's job is to sort of uh yeah. shake us out of our habitualized um behaviors and perceptions or whatever, so it's sort of that's kind of how I read that moment, it's, but it's, you know I don't a, know if it bothers you. Yeah to, to, to not exactly know what he means, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't,
0: I'm going to make, I got to make my peace with it.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I'm not bothered. I mean, Mm. I think I'm bothered when I read a poem and I have no idea what the person's talking about, but I think Tate is so good at situating us in somewhere where I'm, I, I, I'm very, I'm very grounded for lack of a better word, like in, in, in it. So it almost like, I, I like these moments where the language kind of escapes a little bit from my easy ability to, to, uh, paraphrase it or, or you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a, it's a fine line, obviously. I mean, I yeah. don't, you know, I don't love a poem where, like I said, where it's just filled with language like that. I'm like, what sure. the hell is going on? Sure. <laughs> you know, but I don't, I never, I never feel that way in a tape poem.
0: No. I, well, yeah. I mean, the, the drowsy band pavilion helps like the, where the, the, for, for me, just it. it just now it is it has been helping me as I've been thinking about it as you've been talking too like the conceit there is that you know the town is submerged but also like it's asleep or it's mm-hmm. um, so awake awake you germs of habit comes as a kind of frustrated yeah sort of uh, prodding in response to that a kind of provocation in response to that um he wants the sure. town to
1: come back to life at that right. moment
0: I think yeah. he wants, it, he and, wants uh, well, not to what's happened and what's a town's life but a kind of um a collection of habits right like a collection yep. of, of you know it's not a it's not a particular sort of set of events but it's like um the kind of humming of a of a kind of habitual life that you could see and as though in a kind of time-lapse movie or something oh there's the Pretty mailman sure. every day and there's the this and that
1: and so much of tate's later work you know especially his last several books kind of take place in these towns you right know, like he tells has these poems where, where where things are constantly he's like i went to the feed store and so and so happened or i was at the stop and shop and such and such happened or a guy came yeah. knocking at my door with the mail and so and so like i think this is a kind of points to what will happen in his, in his work going forward, right. you know, this terms of habit, I think that's, yeah, right. that's really, you know, the, that that's so much at the center of what what goes on for him as well, he moves forward. You know?
0: And then what, well, whatever that instruction or frustrated exclamation is meant to record or perform. Um, it seems clear that like the rhetorical gesture that follows it is a an indication that it's unsuccessful, right? Alas, mm-hmm. right? Alas, right. another
1: another old-timey word. Right? Yeah, which is right. Of,
0: uh, you know. I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift of porphyry. There's a good example of um, yeah. you know the play with idiom, which you know I think you you the the ghost of the idiom that's lurking behind that maybe is my gift of prophecy or something, mm-hmm. but it's my gift of porphyry, like which is a kind of stone, right? Um, yeah, my poor gift. Yeah. Yeah, and Porphyry, uh, that,
1: that sort of, you know, the, the kind of stone. Yeah. And you see him, you know, re- returning. It's so much has happened, but we're returning to the skipping stones. Of course.
0: Right. Like
1: one more, he's going to throw one more. Right. He's like, he's like F it. I can't, I can't <laughs> bring these people back to life. You know, they're stuck under there. I'm stuck out here, you know, whatever, but I'm just going to whip one more stone across,
0: well, you know, and maybe this you one know. doesn't skip. I don't know, because I mean, right. he's sending it down. Right. I mean, I guess even a yeah. skipping stone will eventually sink, but um this one seems meant to skip. Um so yeah let's let's talk about this line. Can I, let's, just, let's I talk say, about say ask
1: one thing to you Please. Too. like I think yeah. that this moment um alas I fling my final stone my calling card my gift of porphyry to the citizens of the deep that to me I don't know how you feel but that to me has a kind of heightened uh sort of almost like theatrical um tone to it that I I miss in contemporary poetry sometimes Mm -hmm. like that it's, 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 he's letting himself like kind of get up on the stage and sing a bit there in a way that I just like, I really adore, you know, it sounds so good. I just appreciate that moment. You know, it's, I don't, I don't know if you, if you would agree, maybe you see that more in contemporary poetry than I do, but it just, it feels, I, I I like, I like the boldness of that.
0: I I don't, that, that doesn't sound like um, a poem that, I mean, I, I, I'm not one to, um, and I don't think you are either. So I, I don't mean to suggest that you are. Um, I, I'm not one to like disparage, uh, you know, contemporary poetry. Or say, oh, you know, it's a, it's an mm-hmm. impoverished start, and think we should go back to the way things were. Um, have I, having said that. Not at right, all. The, the, yeah. 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 So I know, well, obviously, I mean, you're a, <laughs> an editor at a, at a press that publishes many great books of um, of contemporary poetry and a poet yourself, of course. So, um, but yeah, that doesn't sound, that, that doesn't sound like a poem that I might just happen upon in a, in a poetry journal right yeah, now. you
1: might, and you might hear it from some, for sure, from some poets, maybe from a way of poet comes to mind, uh, Julian Talmanovitz-Brolowski, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, might, write a line that sort of has that kind of tonality. I mean, there's people, you know, I just, I guess it's not so much like to, 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 you know, criticize Deborah Partridge, just to more sort of note again, like the tonal yeah. shifts in this poem and how he moves back. And
0: forth well, but even the tone there, Matthew, and I'm glad you're sort of um, sl- slowing us down here for for the series, even, even the tone there is like, um, it, it's, it's kind of multivalent, right? Like, mm-hmm. Because we get this, um, th- this, this sort of sequence of a positive phrases. I take it. I mean, I don't think this is a list. In other words, I think my final stone is another way of describing my calling card, which is right. another way of describing my gift of porphyry, yes. It's all described right? in the stone, area. right? Right. Um, right and and maybe all of that is a is, is pre, i mean presumably a description of the poem or hearing or something like that you know yeah. um yeah i think um so. but but those but those those different um you know when a when a writer much you know not even necessarily a poet but when a writer tries out those positive phrases, you know I think of it sometimes as like swings of an axe right here here it is one way here it is a different way maybe this one will get the tree down um they 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 each have their own registers right my final stone sounds mythical and kind of my calling card sounds kind of folksy and american to me you know
1: or like sort of old fashioned, like, you know, I'm announcing well, right. myself to for, for an afternoon visit or like maybe like a businessman or like a salesman or some traveling salesman or whatever.
0: If, if it's a literal calling card. But, yeah. but right. But we've we've come to use that phrase as like, um I don't know, a surrealist line in a poem is James Tate's calling card. Right. Yes, you know, yeah, th- that yeah. kind of so thing. Both right? there, I think. The sort of characteristic gesture. Yeah. Um, and calling Both, card, yeah, yeah is interesting also. with It sort of brings me back now maybe to the post office and some of what we were saying there. And then, but, but, but by the time we get to my gift of porphyry, um, that seems uh, yet again in a different register. And so I think mm-hmm. there is something kind of um, dramatic and... Um, I don't know, I'm making hand gestures that, that, that aren't being <laughs> picked up by my mic. But, and, Listeners
1: and, making great hand gestures. Common's <laughs> making great hand gestures. Here. There's
0: something kind <laughs> of like a heroic sounding about, the, yeah, about the, these notes, but also the, um, semantic kind of context of them makes them. S- I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Matthew, is that I, my sense of it is that part of what enables Tate to write in that spirit at this moment and in related moments in other poems is there's all there, there, there is almost always a kind of to a greater or lesser extent, a kind of tongue in cheekness about the, or it's kind of self-awareness that he's doing yes. it. It's as though he's sort of quoting a register that a, that For a sure. different kind of poet might've adopted um so I don't know call that irony or not. I know you said well you're not sure that we should we ought to take the irony in the more
1: classic yeah. sense I think it is ironic in that sense of like double right. double consciousness. Right. I I agree completely right. with you. I think that's an important thing to point out but of course you know a lot of uh, lesser imitators of Tate mm. um have taken that irony and sort of they don't It becomes one dimensional. It can become one dimensional easily, just pure self consciousness, pure stance. And I think that you know that's that's sort of it's a risky, it's a risky um, orientation, irony. Right. And I think I think you're absolutely right that this is ironic in that classic sense, but 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 it allows what allows him to do exactly what you're describing, which is like kind of pull in Mm -hmm. these different, uh, you know, stances almost, right, and 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 activate them yeah uh, yeah and i love citizens of the deep I yeah just, i was gonna I ask about citizens that of, i mean it's right. fantastic i mean to yeah. the citizens of the deep to talk about the right. lost people you know i mean who of course weren't there when the town was flooded right. of course they weren't but like his yeah. imagination as a poet imagines this water rushing in and the people still being in the villages yeah which of course they moved out but like the, right the, but you know like the citizens of the deep Right, I don't know. I just think well,
0: it just sounds yeah, great. You know what can it, i say? It does. <laughs> it does sound great. <laughs> and and if we were, you know, for well, so two things. One, um, I think I read also in the piece that you sent me that they had to, of, which of course they had to. But you don't think of it until you think of the the kind of craziness of such a project. They had to exhume the cemeteries in these mm-hmm. towns and sort of transfer mm-hmm. people's remains. So not even. Um, the dead are still there. In Sounds like a bad job. I know. Um, <laughs> but then the other thought I had was to do with well. Earlier, you gave us a really beautiful way of seeing um, the waters and the submerged nature of the the sort of town, which you know is a little bit like um, um, I don't know. Like a, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Vesuvius or something. You know, like a a sort Mm -hmm. of town that's preserved in the past, as it were. Um, uh, Sorry, Um, you gave us a way of thinking of that, not just in the kind of literal terms of what happened at Quabbin to create Quabbin Reservoir, but as a way of thinking more broadly about what time does to any kind of human life. Right that it that it gets left behind, um, submerged in some sense. So if, 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 I mean, there is something beautiful, beautiful that I think first works at that kind of literal level and citizens of the deep, we're sort of imagining the people mm-hmm. under the water there. But if we're also able to kind of back up from that and, and, um, revive that more general or metaphorical meaning, then, then in some ways he addressing us or all of us, yeah. what, What's odd is that we the,
1: look, you mean are we the citizens of the deep? You're saying
0: yeah, but, what's, but But then, but here's something weird about that is like, you know, poetry is its own kind of like um, time travel, right? Mm-hmm. Any any writing is really, but you know, poets are you know sometimes explicitly, but often implicitly, there's this sort of understanding that what you're addressing, you know, you're addressing readers of the future. You know, um, that there's a kind of posterity that you're invoking Um, Tate in this poem is addressing the past. Mm -hmm. We come after him, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know Um, you can't write to who, you know, the people who precede you, you know, writing is inevitably like it gets read after you've written it. Not before. Mm -hmm. Um, So the deep, I don't know. Are we in the deep? He's in the deep in a way. Yeah. Um, I don't
1: know. I think we're overhearing. I feel like I'm overhearing something in this poem, you know, I'm I'm mm -hmm. less like directly addressed, but I'm overhearing it. Um, and yeah, I, but I think, you know, when I read citizens of the deep, I think, yeah, I mean, maybe that's, yeah. Without being cheesy about it, that does strike me as being kind of all of us in a way that's we all are. And I don't think you need to say that, that that's sort of there. And, and, um, I I resonate with that. Let's say, you know, I feel like I am. And, and that the end, you know, it's it's like uh, I'm reading, I'm rereading Lear right now, um, oh, yeah. and and uh, I saw so, so there's something kind of Shakespearean to me about this about this ending, you know, in a way like this withdrawal, you know, I disappear into a disappear cops,
0: into a cop's, which is you
1: know, it's a, but also kind yeah. of comic too, you know, that yeah. you've ever seen that
0: meme from the simpsons of of homer
1: simpson like backing up into the
0: hedge yes you know like there's something a little
1: bit funny about disappear into a cops
0: right or it's Uh, like i can't remember which (laughs) episode of the simpsons that came from or what the context was precisely maybe you can but you know it all somehow in my imagination that meme which or that gif whatever that i that i think we can all or many of us who are too online maybe (laughs) Can can easily imagine is like merged in my mind with what happens in Field of Dreams, you know, where they like walk yeah. into the corn corn right. stalks um, and disappear. But of course, you know, the other thing I want to say is that there, here, here is this, this is a this was the um, Wordsworth thing that I was hearing earlier. Wordsworth mm-hmm. has a moment where "cops," um, you you're almost sort of forced, like you can't help but misread it as "corpse," mm-hmm. um, and there is a sense in which, like, we all disappear into a corpse right oh my god that's what it is to die um it's so true yeah i
1: mean and 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 i think that's in this poem that is a really fair reading because we there's so many moments in this poem where he really like sort of lasers us into individual words and like asking us to kind of like look at them almost as materials so i feel like cops and corpse are too close not to make that connection i agree especially since he's mentioned yeah, in the context of this particular poem.
0: yeah cops is kind of a funny word to for a poet to be using in the late yeah. 20th century um <laughs> also you know the fact that it comes at in, in that sort of um line ending that sort of terminal position on the line and it's right under mm. porphyry which i think is like another punny sort of word you know or pun isn't quite the right word for it but um Echoey, yeah, echoey sort of um, word where we're meant to hear um, prophecy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing, mm-hmm. I'm hearing corpse there. Um, but that, I agree. Yeah. But th- that last line, um, I, I want to hear you talk about now. So mm-hmm. he he flings his final stone. I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift of porphyry to the citizens of the deep, and disappear into a copse, raving like a butterfly to a rosebud. Colon. I love you um <laughs> yeah raving like a butterfly to i a mean risk.
1: yeah you know this is sort of on the literal sense i mean you know like like uh like an inherently you know a butterfly or you know any yeah. kind of uh insect like that i mean their job is sort of to take the take the pollen right and like kind of yeah touch down for a bit and it gets on their wings or whatnot or their proboscis or whatever yeah. and then they move on and they they knock it on in a, in a different place and that's what creates the fer, you know that's what fertilizes or or, or you know whatever. You I know, know bees. Do,
0: do butterflies fertilize things? I think do fly, know? I
1: think all flying insects. Really? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're really outside of my uh, of my expert expertise. <laughs> but uh, but I, I you know that 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 um that you know it, it, all of them um you know uh, I think do that. But yeah. But I mean, more importantly, it t- it, it touches on what you what you said um sorry my wife is texting me that's okay (laughs) so um uh um you know is um talks like touching on things like touching things and moving on that that that's sort of this like and 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 the conflation of that touching on things moving on with with this this mad love raving like and and this sort of raving like a like a butterfly to a rosebud i love you it's and it's so in the in the pocket of distance from loved ones and that feeling of love adoration attachment or whatever and distance and the, and the dynamics between those right. things and like you said this being the first poem in that book i think is 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 you know introduces the theme for and also i wanted to point out too just one more thing which is that you know i mean there's a kind of way that a lot of tate's poems or a lot of contemporary poems in general start in one place and move to another right right sort of don't, they're not that interested in closure or they're not, you know, they're not that right. interested necessarily in like sort of tying the loop. But in this one, he comes back to the initial action in the first line of skipping the stones to huh. the flinging the final stone. Right. And, you know, and I, so I think it has a kind of unity that feels yeah um, almost pre-modern to me in a way, yeah. like, 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 you know, that I know this isn't a sonnet, but it almost has a sonnety kind of like, right. like uh circular or, you know, sort of like coherence to it formally. That yeah. Is, it is pleasurable the closer you read the poem yeah you know, it's not it's not something that might initially yeah be, be at the forefront of the experience but like I, I just having read the poem many times i i enjoy that about it too. yeah
0: oh i do too and i'm i'm glad you pointed it out um it's funny i i, I was laughing to myself as as we as we were talking about the butterfly and as i was saying oh bees do that don't i, I wonder if he's thinking of muhammad ali you know like float like a butterfly sting <laughs> like a bee
1: probably probably yeah
0: you know. And then with Rosebud, I um, wondered if there was some kind of like Citizen Kane kind of. Uh, you I know. thought about
1: that, and yeah. I thought also about Stein, too, uh-huh. you know, and like rose but also Stein, about yeah. you know uh, Williams, the roses absolutely right? You know, like I think the you know any like yeah. a lot of, in a lot of this poem. I mean, the elements so really do echo with with our thoughts about. The history sure. of poetry too, in very light ways,
0: but yeah, I think it's, right.
1: Dissertations so, can be written. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: I'm out of that game. Um, so uh, yeah, so um, I love you. Say say something about that. As the, I mean, um. You know, I think you had uh, um, sort of gently alluded to it at that moment where I was saying something about how no such address as the language printed on the envelope might mm-hmm. also conjure for us modes of poetic address or something like that. But, uh, you know, who is saying I love you to whom? Um, well, the butterfly yeah. is saying
1: it to the rosebud, but also, you know, I love you. There, there. And then implicit, you know, therefore, I must leave you. Therefore, I can't stay. I love right. you, but I can't stay. I love you, but I must move on. Right. You know, and of course, I mean, we can't help but think of the, the 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 you know, you know, the, what's happened to these villages, you know, right. like the, 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 I love you, but it must end. Right, <laughs> You know, like, like I can't continue, you know, all these things. I mean, which we all, you know, it's part of life and right. it's banal to, to, to even say them out loud. But I think that's the implicit, the temporality, the temporariness of, of attachment um is is you know in his own relationship to and and i and i read it too as like um i this is there's no justification for this reading really but i read it almost like he's saying it to me yeah like like i've been here with you but now i must leave the poem must end and now i'm gonna go um and i've been here with you and that's been an act of love
0: oh i think that's tension you know yeah Sorry. I think there's plenty of justification for it. I mean, you say it's, well, the butterfly is saying it to the rosebud, but of course the butterfly and the rosebud was always only ever um, a simile for what his act of throwing his final stone to the citizens of the deep was, which I guess if we took that as writing the poem, then... It is something he's saying to you in other words and Yeah, and I you love know. you. I love
1: yeah. you citizens of the deep. I love you reservoir. I love you lost world. I love you mailman. I love you right. bandstand. I love you everything. I I can't help it. Right. That's how I feel and and that's that love is what produces this poem. It's a certain kind of love like you said it's a distanced right Love. it's an ironic one it's, it's moving a, on a, it's a,
0: too as you said yeah. right like the, the yeah. butterfly doesn't stay with the flower <laughs> they don't mate for life no right no they
1: don't and <laughs> yeah. then and then we move on this is the first poem and we move on i mean yeah. it's quite a first poem in a book i would say yeah. and, and you know um yeah i just i i adore this poem and i i i it makes me miss him yeah And, you know, and I just, I just, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful for his poems. I think it just, there's many, so many more that are just worthy of this kind of attention.
0: Well, um, I think that, I think that's a, a, a great, um, note for us to end on. And I, I have to say, Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and also, you know, your love for this poet, um, by which I mean both the, um, the author of this, Poem and many other great poems, but also the person you knew and who helped you—you know—who was among the many people I'm sure who helped you become the person you now are—is um, is really evident. And um, and I hope you know there there. I, I guess the truth is like I'm. I started this podcast project with not a very clear sense of what I wanted to get out of it. Some people have asked me, "What are you trying to do with this thing?" I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to talk to people about poems. Um, and that's sort of all I know. I mean, I guess there there is the thought: well, if we can help people, um, if we can model for people how to make sense of a poem or how to sit with a poem, make sense is maybe not the right phrase to use because sense isn't always where you wind up. But um, how to be with a poem for for um, an hour, how to how to take something of it with you, then that's great. If, if we can be um, useful in that regard, that's, that's wonderful. But also if we can um, help people find particular poets they will love. And um, you know, not, not every poet is for every reader, but I, I, I would be surprised if after having listened to you talk about Tate, many listeners to this podcast who, who weren't yet readers of James Tate will, will become it. Um, so I, I want to thank you for that too.
1: Well thanks for giving me the opportunity and I I I I feel like I know what you're doing with this podcast which is you know I mean it makes me think of the Simone Weil's famous remark you know attention is the purest form of generosity and I think that being attentive to these poems and and it's it is it's just a I, it's great it's a pleasure and I think slows me down and I you know to talk with you about this poem which I've read hundreds of times I feel like I just see it anew this time, you know, I learned a lot this time, and 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 so it's, I don't know, it's enjoy, it's it's a pleasure. So and thanks for thanks for inviting me to talk about Jim and think about yeah. him and think about this poem. And I hope everybody will read his work. No,
0: well, they will. Um, and, <laughs> and 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 if I can ask for one last indulgence, they're about to hear the the poem from him one more time. Um, again in your voice, Matthew, would you be willing to read Quabin Reservoir one one more time for us on the way out? With pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, common Sure.
1: Uh, This is Quabbin Reservoir by James Tate. All morning, skipping stones on the creamy lake, I thought I heard a lute being played high up in the birch trees, or a fawn speaking French with a Brooklyn accent. A snowy owl watched me with half-closed eyes. What have you done for me philately? I wanted to ask it, licking the air. There was a village at the bottom of the lake, and I could just make out the old post office. And occasionally, when the light struck it just right, I glimpsed several mailmen swimming in or out of it, letters and packages escaping randomly. 1938, 1937, it didn't matter to them any longer. Void, no such address. Soft blazes squirmed across the surface, and I could see their church, now home to druid squatters, rock in the intoxicating current, as if to an ancient hymn and a thousand elbowing reeds conducted the drowsy band pavilion. Awake, awake, you germs of habit. Alas, I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift of porphyry, to the citizens of the deep, and disappear into a copse, raving like a butterfly to a rosebud. I love you.
0: Uh, Matthew Zapruder, thank you so much for this conversation a real gift to me and i'm sure to our listeners um listeners thank you for um hanging out with us for the last hour and a half um there there um, i'm sort of on a summer schedule right now so the episodes might not appear quite as regular maybe you've noticed this already might not <laughs> appear quite as regularly as um as they had been in in the early days but but rest assured i'm still at it so please do subscribe to the podcast if you if you don't already share an episode with a friend um, I, I, love, I love that our audience is growing and I'll have more for you soon. Be well, everyone.